0: That's how it starts, the fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I am Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a podcast, a mission to... Rewatch and discuss Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition one minute at a time. We've got 50 minutes down. Yeah, that's insane. I know, it, it's insane both because of how far we've come and also how not far we've come.
1: Yeah, we're like less than a third of the way through.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, my math. Oh is yeah. Good. Okay. <laughs> with that said, we now move on to minute 51. I think we were left with the tantalizing sounds of Mr. Wayne, Mr. Wayne, and now we get to see. Are you ready for Clark and Bruce? Bruce V. Clark I am well it's not
1: just them too we get uh, Diana's in the background here
0: well don't spoil jeez sorry Mr. Wayne Mr. Wayne Clark Kent Daily Planet oh my foundation has already issued a statement in support of uh, books sorry. Um, well pretty girl bad habit don't quote me alright what's your position the bat vigilante in Gotham Daily Planet do I, do I own this one Or is that the other guy? Civil liberties are being trampled on in your city. Good people living in fear. Don't believe everything you hear, son. I think I previously gave you a warning that I kind of allow myself to enjoy every second of this. So, (laughs) of all of the minutes in the movie, this is probably my least, like, analyzed intellectually. Because it is, it's like the first time that, that Ben Affleck plays the Bruce that like I guess I expected to see him play. Yeah. If that's safe to say. I think so. Yeah. Well, and it's I feel like it's sort of the same
1: on 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 all parts here that um he's very much the Bruce you expect, but this is probably the the Clark Kentiest Clark Kent that we get oh yeah in in any of these movies also.
0: I yeah, I don't want to go down like the entire dialogue that they say because it, it it is so like well known at this point because it's one of the only scenes that they have as i was gonna say as these characters but kind of uh, one of their only dialogue scenes. yeah like at all yeah i guess we can say like the the context of this from clark is this seems somewhat unrelated to like what he just witnessed bruce doing and he's now looking for a quote from bruce because he is famous for being from gotham and i guess like i guess in the in the larger context this is still clark doing the thing that Perry was getting mad at him for doing which is chasing down this bat vigilante story during other work he's supposed to be doing <laughs>
1: yeah well he knows we know from the previous minute that he's suspicious of something but he doesn't know exactly what it was he just knows that like oh that's weird he's got someone in his ear but you know he's a billionaire maybe he's just kind of weird and so what he's looking for here is is entirely unrelated to that he he wants to know he wants to know what he thinks about the bat vigilante Although I love Bruce's initial he doesn't even he like brushes them off with uh, what, what do he say? like my publicist already issued a statement in support of books or <laughs> books, whatever
0: the <laughs> as as you said, followed up by I guess he's covering it. or I guess he actually is legitimately distracted by Diana walking past which is in in hindsight now like the the coolest shot because they all kind of line up and toss glances at each other nobody having really any idea what is going on except I guess Diana would know the most
1: yeah well that's that's what i love throughout this entire this entire scene at this party is you're constantly wondering who knows what and if they are doing what they're doing because they know something or or like even we were talking about like Lex's song, like he chose Night and Day. Did he do that because he knew he orchestrated Batman and Superman to be here, or like, or or then or then we've got them here, and like who knows, who knows what, and like how much does Diana know? Does she already know that Bruce is Batman, or does she does she know who Clark is? Even like she's just kind of uninvolved in this whole thing and got her own
0: thing going on, but she kind of seems more on top of things than anybody else. It's definitely a scene that gets. More rewarding on repeat viewing because at this point you don't know how much anybody knows about anything. And does Lex know that she's there? She seems to be yeah. entirely unrelated. Like he has a picture
1: of her, but she seems to kind of be the wild card in his plan, right? Like you mm-hmm. trace it down the line and you look at, like he has no, he's accounted for everybody but her, except he has her picture. So that's that's really interesting.
0: The exchange between Clark and Bruce, like we said, Clark chasing down the the story. There is a bad vigilante. Innocent people are living in fear, which amuses Bruce. Which, which is kind of, this scene is really rich in irony for me because Clark is basically speaking to everything that we have started this movie talking about in regards to him. Like the the words that come out of his mouth are, he thinks he's above the law, and this is completely going back to the bathtub scene between Clark and Lois, where the entire problem that is facing Clark is that he thinks he is above the law. That was his entire thing. That was the entire crisis that we started off this movie talking about was the only reason any of this happens is because Superman thinks he's above the law and Lex knew he was going to. Everything spins out of that. And then it's funny because it amuses Bruce. It's it's a little amused Bruce, if you will, <laughs> where we're kind of on, on his side of it on repeat viewings where, where he says, you know, don't believe everything you hear, which again goes to, again, Superman is in the problem. He is because rumor and and gossip is going to carry but Bruce ends up saying the line that you know it's hypocritical which it is like (laughs) as as we're saying like it is completely hypocritical but we also know that Bruce's perspective on this is really wrong also yeah well and even he doesn't
1: know like who's writing those puff pieces about Mm -hmm. Superman I don't get the impression that Clark has been the one writing those but it is interesting that like Bruce, and Bruce doesn't even realize he's saying it, but literally, Superman works at the newspaper that is writing puff pieces about Superman. Like, there's <laughs> there's a lot kind of going on there, and Bruce is yeah. just like, you know, you're turning your attention to the wrong place. Like, what, what is
0: Batman doing that's any more dangerous than, than Superman? Totally meta-textual, right? Where Bruce is saying, isn't that a bit hypocritical? And it is, but not for any of the reasons that he thinks. Right, right, exactly. It gives you an interesting context for kind of where
1: bruce is coming from here because part of i think what fuels his paranoia is the fact that he like nobody not nobody else but other people aren't on board with him like if someone were to just say like at the paper were to say superman is dangerous but you know how do we know he or well, i don't know if they were to tackle it more head-on superman decides to
0: let us live another day
1: yeah exactly but for from his perspective it's kind of like a well if nobody's going to do anything about this if i don't and it's sort of, I guess sort of in the same way that, that Clark
0: is like, somebody needs to write about Batman. Nobody, like, why isn't yeah. anybody,
1: why aren't we covering this story? And this,
0: yeah. Well, and, and, and I think that just like we said, when, when Lois calls out Clark, and Clark may be, may be chasing down the story because he is no longer oblivious to the hypocrisy. He has shown some awareness. He's chasing down someone who thinks they're above the law. I guess he has the freedom to do that because the people he's questioning don't know that he is and was Superman. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. when, when you get to the end, like just like when Lois, you know, said, "There's a cost." You know, you don't get to just change your mind now. Like things are done, things are moving. He responded like he eventually understood what she meant, and and it seems like when he says when Bruce hits him with that, he doesn't say you're wrong, or he doesn't disagree with him. The best thing that he can say is most of the world doesn't share your opinion. And that is like... That's why he's doing it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I read that now as almost Clark's hope. Like that is him reassuring himself. Mm -hmm. That's his most optimistic thing is I have to believe because he's aware of what people are saying. You know, even though he says, I don't care. He's now seen Kahina Ziri, right? And he knows that this is happening that... The best he can say is most of the world doesn't agree with you. But that also is implying that, like, some people do. And, like, I, that, that speaks to the kind of guilt that Clark must have after Gotham. Surely he knows how many people died, you know, right. in, in, in Metropolis when that happens. So. Well, but he doesn't – I don't think he feels – I'm sure he wishes he
1: was able to save them. But I think he sees them as victims of Zod and that he reduced – Like, he doesn't bear any, I think, much guilt over that. He Maybe he wishes he could have saved more, but I don't think he has any sort of responsibility for what happened. Whereas Bruce kind of sees, he would see them all as his, even though, like, sure, maybe he stopped and died, but he was a part of the fight. I mean, basically, Bruce is taking, like, the side of, like, a lot of the critics that hated (laughs) Man of Steel for that reason, right? Yeah. Of, like, why didn't he move it away from the city? Like, even if he is good... He was
0: complicit, and now it's a question of, like, even if Clark feels guilty, is it, like, guilty enough? Like, does he feel right. responsible enough for it? It also ties really well into – the only other thing from this scene that I really enjoy is the paintings behind Clark. I don't think we have to dive too deeply into because I think it'll be rewarding for people to look into themselves. But by Cleon Peterson, it's entitled The Balance of Terror uh, instead of Balance of Power, <laughs> which is – again, it keeps up the black and white motif – a depiction of black figures, black men figures, and white figures, and the black figures are slaughtering the white figures. I know that I know that sounds like it has an ethnic side to it, but I I mean they're literally like reduced depictions of men. It's very it's a very rich tapestry to to have along our story, which is guns, swords, spears, horses, murder being carried out. That is not there's no emotion to it. It's very Mm -hmm. cold. And I think the the overall depiction of it is the figures in black are killing the figures in white. It's not about emotion. It is about purely force being one side dominating another. A great deal of foreshadowing for our own story here. But the idea that the the picture does not represent who is right, who is wrong – you know, who is righteous, who is evil. It's just one side crushing the other one, and the side that is doing the crushing happens to be cloaked in night, you know? <laughs> again, yeah. killing the the day side of it, which is, again, as direct or as layered an analogy as you want to draw there. Right, well, and you have the the song Night and Day, and the title
1: of that is Balance, and yeah, so there's, obviously, there's um black and white is the theme of the, of the party. So I also um like I don't know if this plays directly into it, but it's kind of sort of related that something I thought was kind of great also though about that is how Bruce comes into the situation and he's very nonchalant um, or he's got the kind of the character up. He's he, first, he's dismissive with like, the, Oh yeah, the statement in support of books. And then he pulls that out oh, pretty girl, bad habit. Don't quote me. And, uh, and then the second that Clark is like, well, but what about the Bat Vigilante? Um, <laughs> there's like a like a character shift in in Bruce yeah. where it's like no he's not even pretending to be drunk anymore. He's like laser focused, like, oh no, I know what you're talking about and um and I am and I'm not gonna be like flippant
0: about it anymore. The only other thing I, I like about the the painting behind Clark is if you realize Bruce is seeing Clark with that behind him <laughs> <laughs> oh the, these figures of darkness in the in the name of order not chaos are slaughtering indiscriminately it's it's not about emotion or hate or or war it is like black and white there's no gray here Clark is looking at Bruce with a bar behind him and a motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> they're both looking at what they think they're looking at but are both completely wrong right well and like
1: that's just another one of those things where it's like that. Maybe that's a bit far, but like how much of that did did Lex orchestrate? Because like that's how he mm-hmm. wants them to see each other. Also, yeah, exactly. So yeah. on one hand, it's like, oh no, he didn't orchestrate that. But on the other hand, it's it's like, well, but that's exactly what he wants from the situation. And you're like, well, Lex knew that Bruce was going to go down the stairs to get the thing, and then and then <laughs> and then Clark got called across, and then he knew that Bruce was going to come back up, and that's where they met. And then he comes up to them in, like, the next minute, which we'll talk about at that point. But, yeah, so it's like there's – there's it. the chess moves um, are, are kind of randomized, but also maybe there is a chess master.
0: <laughs> yeah. It makes total sense for someone like Lex to have those paintings in his house. Mm-hmm. But it would also make total sense for him to put that there just to tickle himself while this is playing out.
1: Well, it goes back to his his introduction and in that basketball game I was talking about where or like when or like in his uh, in his den, when Finch goes in, you can just see him orchestrating that beforehand where he's like, OK, wait for her to come through the door and then you give me the ball and I'll sink the three pointer Yeah. or like, you know, making sure in the den, making sure he's like sitting in the right posture or doing his like his strength pose or whatever <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, in the yeah. same way, you can see him coordinating this party. He's like, okay, I'm going to give my speech, and then they're going to do night and day. Then Bruce is going to come up the stairs, and Clark is going to mm-hmm. go meet him, and he's going to see the painting, and he's going to see the motorcycle, and then they're going to fight, fight, fight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> On that note, there will be another massive, massive suggestion, possibly the best one yet, that every single bit of this has gone exactly as lex intended to an extent that i was kind of kicking myself for for never noticing it before so is that in the next minute that is the next minute i think i know exactly what you're talking about i'm excited Excellent. to
1: see if we're thinking the same thing
0: yeah well until minute 52 arrives don't believe everything you hear son